Chapter 4 of Haworth's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Wilson, Ames, Iowa. Haworth's by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter 4 Janie Brierly. A week later, Hilary Murdoch returned from the Broxton graveyard in a drizzling rain and made his way to the bare, cleanly swept chamber upstairs. Since the night on which he had cried out to his mother that she must not enter, the table at which the dead man had been wont to sit at work had been pushed aside. Someone had thrown a white cloth over it. Murdoch went to it and drew this cloth away. He stood and looked down at the little skeleton of wood and steel. It had been nothing but a curse from first to last, and yet it fascinated him. He found it hard to do the thing he had come to do. It is not finished, he said to the echoes of the empty room. It never will be. He slowly replaced it in its case, and buried it out of sight at the bottom of the trunk which, from that day forward, would stand unused and locked. When he arose, after doing this, he unconsciously struck his hands together as he had seen gravediggers do when they brushed the damp soil away. The first time Haworth saw his new hand he regarded him with small favour. In crossing the yard one day at noon, he came upon him disposing of his midday meal and reading at the same time. He stopped to look at him. "'Who's that?' he asked one of his men. The fellow grinned in amiable appreciation of the rough tone of the query. "'That's the American,' he answered. "'And a soft one he is.' "'What's that he's reading?' Summit about engineering, like as not. That's his crank. In the rush of his new plans and the hurry of the last few months, Haworth had had time to forget the man who had wished him good luck, and whose pathetic figure had been a shadow upon the first glow of his triumph. He did not connect him at all with the young fellow before him. He turned away with a shrug of his burly shoulders. He doesn't look like an Englishman, he said. He hasn't got backbone enough. Afterward, when the two accidentally came in contact, Haworth wasted few civil words. At times his domineering brusqueness excited Murdoch to wonder. He's a queer fellow, that Haworth, he said reflectingly to Floxham. Sometimes I think he's out of humor with me. With the twelve-year-old daughter of one of the workmen, who used to bring her father's dinner, the young fellow had struck up something of a friendship. She was the eldest of twelve, a mature young person whose business-like air had attracted him. She had assisted her mother in the rearing of her family from her third year and had apparently done with the follies of youth. 
She was stunted with much nursing and her small face had a shrewd and careworn look. Murdoch's first advances she received with some distrust, but after a lapse of time they progressed fairly and, without any weak sentiment, were upon excellent terms. One rainy day she came into the yard enveloped in a large shawl, evidently her mother's, and also evidently very much in her way. Her dinner can, her beer jug, and her shawl were more than she could manage. Eh, I am in a mess, she said to Hilary, stopping at the doorway with a long-drawn breath. I do not know which way to turn, what with the beer and what with dinner. I've gotten on mother's Sunday shawl as she had afore she were wed, and the eens keep a dragon and a dragon, and the mud'll be the ruin on em. The pin mother put in is not big enough, and it's getting loose. There was perhaps not much sense of humor in the young man. He did not seem to see the grotesqueness of the little figure with its mud-bedraggled maternal wrappings. He turned up the lapel of his coat and examined it quite seriously. I've got a pin here that will hold it, he said. I picked it up because it was such a large one. Janie Brierley's eyes brightened. Eh, she ejaculated, that there's a greatly begun. Some woman mun ha' dropped it out o' her shawl. Where did they find it? In the street. I thought so. Some woman's lost it. Dost thou think the con pin it read? Or mun I put the beard on and do it sen? He thought he could do it and bent down to reach her level. It was at this moment that Haworth approached the door with the intention of passing out. Things had gone wrong with him, and he was in one of his worst moods. He strode down the passage in a savage hurry, and, finding his way barred, made no effort to keep his temper. Get out of the road, he said, and pushed Murdoch aside slightly with his foot. It was as if he had dropped a spark of fire into gunpowder. Murdoch sprang to his feet, white with wrath and quivering. Damn you, he cried. Damn you, I'll kill you, and he rushed upon him. As he sprang upon him, Haworth staggered between the shock and his amazement. A sense of the true nature of the thing he had done broke in upon him. When it was all over he fell back a pace, and a grim surprise, not without its hint of satisfaction, was in his face. "'The devil take you,' he said. "'You have got some blood in you, after all.' End of chapter 4 Recording by Geoffrey Wilson, Ames, Iowa